0: Do you have anyone in your life that is hard to put up with? That's kind of a depressing question, isn't it?
1: Do you have anyone in your life who is never
0: hard to put up with? That might even be a more depressing question. I've noticed that it's the people
1: that I love the most that are the hardest to put up with. Have you noticed that? Could be just me.
0: Could be that I'm hard to put up with. No. We've been uh, looking at the book of Ephesians. And we're coming to the therefore part. You know, it's very
1: uh, common in the writings of Paul, in these letters that he wrote that are in the New Testament for the church, it's common for him to begin with doctrine and then conclude with practice. And that's exactly how the book of Ephesians is laid out. He begins by teaching us what is, what God has done, what is true,
0: the gospel, the good news, and then, Somewhere along the way, there's this little Greek word, O-U-N, un, which means therefore. And you have a hinge, or you go
1: from doctrine to practice. And that's where we are today. If you looked at Ephesians chapter 4, In this English translation, the very first word of chapter 4 is therefore. In Greek, it's the second word, but that's because they put the conjunctions after, ah, never mind that. But anyway, it's the very first thing. Therefore, therefore, Paul writes, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore or urge you... To walk, oh, so this is about how you're going to live your life. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another
0: in love. That's the put up with bit. We'll come back to that. Being diligent
1: to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now this sentence is like a summary statement for the rest of the book of Ephesians. Everything else in the book of Ephesians is about the details of this. That's important to remember. When when Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, that is an example of diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That is an example of showing tolerance for one
0: another in love. So this is... Sentence that we're going to look at today
1: is a key sentence in the book of Ephesians. It's like he's saying, if all that stuff we've gone over in the first three chapters is true, and it is, then this is how you should respond. This is what you should do. This
0: is how you should walk based on that he says i urge you to
1: walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called
0: really when we read that it should be like
1: it should really make us wonder worthy
0: because let's think about the calling with which we have been called. I've given you a list in the bulletin. But when he says, walk in a manner
1: worthy of the calling with which you've been called, it's literally saying this, live in the recognition of God's glorious invitation and perfect provision. Because all of this lesson we've had so far, that's all it's about. It's about a glorious invitation that has been perfectly and completely provided. There's nothing we've read so far that we
0: contribute to. Nothing. So, how do you walk worthy of a gift? It's tempting to think something like, try to earn it. It's very tempting. Try to earn it. When I read,
1: walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, it can sound to me like, oh, well, since I've gotten it, I need to earn it. I need to live so that I deserve it. Except this particular gift, he's gone out of his way to say time and time again, there's no earning it.
0: You can't possibly deserve it. So he must mean something else. He can't mean
1: try to deserve grace because that is a nonsense statement. You can't deserve grace. If you deserved it, it would stop being grace. And of course, the point of all the grace that has been showered on us, and we were told about how it's been showered on us like a giant waterfall we're trying to stand up under from God, all of this grace has a purpose, our salvation has a purpose, which is to glorify the goodness of God. To glorify the amazing grace. Grace to make everyone say that grace is most amazing. And if you earned it ever, you would completely
0: undo that. Because then, who would it be glorifying? Me. We would all in the end be going, wow, wow, he really deserved God's goodness.
1: Well, that does not magnify God's grace. So, I thought it would be good to just very quickly think about what we've learned from the book of Ephesians. What is this calling? But how do we live in a manner worthy? How do we walk in a manner worthy? We live under the weight of His grace. We live in a way that magnifies His grace. We live according to his grace. We live from his provision, not for it. We live from our salvation, not to deserve it. We live in recognition of God's glorious invitation and perfect provision. We're going to celebrate the communion this morning, which is Just a perfect image of
0: this idea. God is ringing the dinner bell.
1: God is calling out, come and get it! Come and get it! Come and receive every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. It's all there for you. Already paid for already on the table, how do you walk in a manner worthy of that calling?
0: You come to the table and eat. That's all That's all you don't deserve it. Suppose you come
1: to somebody invites you to their house for dinner and you walk and you come and you think, oh, this is a mighty fine meal, and you pull a $20 bill out of your pocket to pay for it.
0: Well, that would be exceedingly rude. That would discount the glory of the grace
1: if you try to deserve the gift. Because the whole thing is about magnifying God's magnificent
0: blessings which are given freely in Christ.
1: What are these things? Well, we read in the beginning, God blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God gave us Christ as head of the church. God raised Christ and seated Him at the right hand. Oh, and by the way, in our union with Christ, He also raised us and seated us at the right hand in the heavenly places. In Christ. In chapter 2, we read that God has done everything necessary to save us by grace through faith. So that we together are His
0: workmanship. We are a thing He's making. We're not self made, we are a thing He's making. Created in Christ.
1: Created in Christ for good works that He's also prepared for us to do. You know, God doesn't need you to figure out
0: what good works He has in mind for you to do. He's prepared them already. You just go do them.
1: And this should be thought of as an opportunity and a privilege,
0: not a burden and a demand. So there are good things for us to do.
1: But God is working in us to do the good things God has worked to prepare for us to do.
0: So our good deeds are only instruments of His hand. God never quits the job of provider. And He never looks to anyone else for provision. God has reconciled us together in
1: one new man, the body of Christ, the household of God, the temple of God, that's all at the end of chapter 2. A dwelling place for His own person. So the Spirit of God dwells in the body of Christ uniting us to Christ through faith in Christ. We are reconciled together in one body to the living God. So we have full access, boldness and access with confidence is the
0: way the book of Ephesians puts it. To God Almighty all the time.
1: Here's something I notice about myself as a Christian. I get used to all this goodness.
0: And I forget how utterly remarkable it is. How completely astounding it is. The very God Almighty lives in me. That should not be. That is a holy
1: nonsense. That is the most amazing and fantastic thing that could. I couldn't even think of such a thing. And he lives in us together as the body of Christ. He dwells in our fellowship in the expression of the love of Christ between
0: us. And in the expression of that love to the world around us. That's not something you should get over. This this is high, high, high this calling.
1: Then at the end of chapter 3 we had this amazing prayer that we would be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. So however much Christ I've got, I could get more. I need more. I want more. This is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 when he says this one thing I need to know Him. <laughs> some of you I know really well, and some of you I know, but not so well. Some of you I don't really know at all. When we're talking about knowing someone, that can grow. And so Paul's saying, the. You know, the best thing that could happen to me is that I would somehow know Christ a little more. Or a lot more. It's like everything else is garbage compared to that. That's literally what he says. And here, he prays, he prays that the Spirit would strengthen us to be the temple of Christ, to be the place where Christ lives to dwell in our hearts through faith, that somehow we would begin to grasp the unreachable love of Christ. That we would start to see the depth of the bottomless love of God in Christ.
0: You might have gone swimming in the ocean or diving in the ocean. I like to stay where I can see the bottom. But you
1: don't even have to swim very far out there to get to a spot where you can't see
0: the bottom. Where all you can see is space. When you look into the heavens, how far away are you seeing? I I can't even measure it. In fact, it seems to go on forever.
1: This is the nature of the love of Christ. I can't see the
0: end of it from here. And, well, I know, I'll swim deeper.
1: I can do that. I can get further into it. I can absorb more of it. And still have more to get. For all eternity, I will be exploring the magnificent love of God in Christ, and I will only begin on it. I will never be an advanced understander of the love of God in Christ. So we pray this prayer, and we keep on praying this prayer, Lord. Lord, Lord, make me strong to have Christ and to have Him more. To see the dimensions of His love for me. His enemy that He died for
0: in order to become my friend. It is beyond our grasp
1: and yet, we are invited to take hold of it. Encouraged to take hold of it. This is the calling with which we've been called that we would be strengthened. Oh, and let's not forget, this is a project we team up for. He says, together with all the saints, you might, you could perhaps, you ought to seek to comprehend the incomprehensible love of god in christ and then at the end of chapter 3 he says in all these things god is glorifying
0: himself in christ and in the church the body of christ in our engagement in this project of
1: comprehending his love together working on it together where I say to you something like, did you see this aspect of the love of Christ? And you say to me, oh, I hadn't seen that, but did you see this? And we're all standing next to the ocean of His love and saying,
0: wow, look over here. We engage in this project together. The union of the saints. In Christ, with God. And the whole book of Ephesians leading up to this statement is about the oneness of the body of Christ. The calling to which we've been called is the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That is the calling. That unity
1: that was made by the cross of Christ when He obliterated divisions between races and tribes and nations and made one new man out of everyone who comes to Him in faith. That union... That unity is the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We could read about this in the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17, where He says, I, I will give eternal life to anyone You've given to Me, Father. And then He says this, eternal life is knowing You and Me. You see, the thing Jesus points out to us about eternal life is not how long it lasts, but what it is. What it is is knowing God and knowing Christ. And so Paul says, that is the thing. That is the prize. Christ is the prize. I would give
0: anything just to know Him. And that Spirit unites us all. We are the ones who come to
1: Christ. We are the ones who look to God in Christ and by the Spirit. At the end of Jesus' prayer in John 17, He says this, He asks the Lord that they
0: would all be one. This is the high priestly
1: prayer of Jesus the night He was taken to be crucified for our sins. His close on His prayer is the union of His people among them and with Him and with Him with God, in Him with God. This great union, this great unity of the
0: Spirit in the bond of peace. That's the calling. So, he says, I urge you. Now, at this point, you shouldn't need much urging.
1: So, that's interesting because this word, urge, isn't that urgent. It's the word parakaleo. I encourage you. I exhort you. And it can mean it, everything from a simple hug to a swift kick. An exhortation. An admonition. An embrace. All of the above. It's the word for the Holy Spirit. The name of the Holy Spirit. Parakaleo. Paraklesis. I can't remember exactly how to say it when it's His name. The word we translate Comforter or counselor, or
0: helper. And so Paul says to us, oh, I wish you would.
1: I urge you. You know, this is the best thing possible for you. I hope you see it. That's the nature of this word. It's not a demand. It's an invitation.
0: The word literally means to call alongside. So this urging goes like this, not like this. It draws us together, it doesn't push us apart. This urging. And so Paul says, I urge, oh, I wish, I wish you could.
1: Would somehow walk in a manner that really kept all this calling in mind. That's what worthy means. It means
0: understanding the weight of something. It's to live in a, with the weight, it's literally a word for balance.
1: So that my life, I want my life to be a life that always is mindful of this great opportunity. Because that's what this calling is. This calling is not a burden placed upon you. It is a, wow, if you had half a brain, you would jump
0: at this chance to know God in Christ by the Spirit. <laughs> what have you got that
1: might even possibly be better than that? Nothing.
0: There's nothing that approaches that. This is the prize. This is the prize. And so. Paul says to
1: us, oh, live like you know what kind of prize God has for you. That's that's what we're talking about here. Live like you understand the nature of the goodness of God's grace toward you. Because if you
0: understand the love of God in Christ, You're set.
1: You've won. You have got everything. You don't need to worry about anything. You can proceed courageously. You can love other people even if they act like idiots. Even if they are evil toward you. Even if they make themselves your enemy. You can afford it. Because you are so magnificently graced by God. And so Paul says, look, if you live in a way that just simply recognizes the altitude of your calling, you will become uh, this
0: stupidly generous person. Just as God did. in a way that would appear foolish in this world, and yet is an expression of the manifold wisdom of God. Okay, so remember this. Under grace, all commandments are opportunities, not burdens. It's a very important distinction to make when you're reading the Bible.
1: Make distinction between law and gospel. Between what must be done and what God has done. follow that? Between law and gospel. The law tells you what you must do. The gospel tells you what God has done because you can't do what you must do. Now once I have the Gospel, then the law is transformed for me. And it becomes an opportunity and not a burden. I Now I can read the commandments of Christ, the commandments of the whole Bible, any commandment, anything where the Bible says here's what you ought to do, here's what you should do, here's what you must do or else. And I can read all the or else has been laid on Christ. And so I am free.
0: And so the law is no longer judging me. It is, however, informing me. It does tell me what is good and what is
1: righteous and what just is pleasing to God. And so now I'm free. And now I look at those rules as,
0: oh, this is what I get to do, not what I have to do or else. Now
1: we sometimes will read the commandments of the Scripture and we think,
0: well, that seems burdensome to me. And that's just because we haven't correctly understood them yet. Well, here's our list in this particular sentence. It's not a very long list.
1: He says, with all humility. 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 This is a part of the unity walk. How do I walk in a manner worthy of this calling? I exercise humility.
0: I make myself a universal servant. (laughs) Well, already this is seeming kind of burdensome to me. I make myself the servant of all. Now,
1: should I succeed in doing this, when I got down to the level of servant of all,
0: you know who else I would find there? You know. Who else is down there below all of us? Jesus. Jesus. Oh, so
1: to be with Him, I need to go down there. And that means I'm here for your benefit. That's how I view myself. I adopt This stature—that's humility. Uh, The way Paul puts it in Ephesians or in Philippians, chapter two, verse three, is: "I consider
0: others as more important than myself. I esteem others above myself." Did you ever try that? Did you ever try that? Are there some people in this world? that you simply cannot envision yourself beneath? If there are, if there are not, then congratulations, and I'd like to speak
1: to you uh, about how you did that, because it's not true about me. Are there some people that you cannot envision yourself
0: beneath them? If there are, then there's more to be done in this area. You have more opportunity to, with all humility, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I imagine that even within this fellowship, there are some people you think of yourself as above them. But this is a decision you make.
1: You simply place yourself. That's the way this
0: works. You say, I decide to consider that person above me. And then you act accordingly. That brings us to gentleness. (laughs) With all gentleness.
1: Now, this is a very closely related word because it literally means not self important. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, Correct people with gentleness. Now, that really helps me figure out what this gentleness is because apparently it is not the absence of correction. That's interesting. But apparently you can correct somebody
0: from below. So if you put these two things together, if you think you need to
1: straighten someone out, this would help you with that, to say, from below. Gentleness. Not because they need to please you. Man, this is getting harder. In other words, I don't correct someone because I don't like the way they do or behave or are. And they need to behave in a way that pleases me. That's self-importance. You know, I'm just thinking about some of the corrections I've
0: attempted lately. Man, I have work to do here gentleness gentleness and i
1: think this is important not just in the church but in the world if we exhibit the gentle correction of christ that's not i i need to tell you how to behave so that you will do what you are supposed to do to keep me happy but i will correct you because the way you're doing is not
0: good for you. That's really different. Gentleness. Patience. This is the word mac- macrothumia, long suffering. So,
1: to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace will involve suffering.
0: Interesting. So, suffering is not all bad. Jesus suffered. So
1: this word means continuing through pain or difficulty. So I will continue to exercise humility and gentleness even when it's hard to do that, even when it hurts to do that. And because of this high calling... You can hurt me, and I'm still okay. I can afford it. Patience. Long-suffering. Is there anyone in your
0: life that causes you to ask, Lord, how long? That's what this is about. The unity walk says, well, I guess a bit longer. And let's bear in mind that the Lord has been walking a long time for our sake. The next word is related to that word. Endurance. Endurance.
1: He says, bearing with one another. I'm going to tell you the literal translation of this text. Enduring each other. That's what it says. Enduring each other in love. (laughs) Enduring. So
0: apparently, in our fellowship together, I'm going to have to put up with you. And thank you for putting up with me so well. Because I know that can be challenging. Because I've been similarly challenged by people.
1: In fact, I've noticed there's not a single individual in the world that
0: I've met so far that doesn't require some putting up with. We can be jerks. We can accidentally
1: do the wrong thing and cause a hubbub. Give a bunch of people around us something they got to put up with. And this says, the unity walk endures each other. So here in the fellowship of the church, we need to love one another. This, this is in love. If you ask the question, how am I going to put up with you? The answer is only by the love. Only in the love. Only in, I know God has loved me and God has loved you. So who am I? So I exercise a little humility,
0: I give up my self importance, I long suffer. And I endure. And this is in love.
1: And this is agape. This is that supreme love that God has demonstrated to us in the sacrifice of Christ. It's a love that's taken
0: on purpose. I don't fall in this love. I decide on it.
1: I decide on it, like Jesus decided to show up here on earth and die for our sins. That's the love we're talking about. It's intentional. It's sacrificial. It pays the price. It's beneficial. In other words, it's not just a martyr. It's not someone who just goes around suffering and claiming how loving he is because he's so suffering. No, it actually helps somebody like Jesus' sacrifice actually benefits us. It's unconditional. In other words, I give it with no thought to whether you will respond properly. I might hope that you will respond properly. But even if I predict you won't, I still give it even if I think you're not going to love me back. It's sacrificial. It's intentional. It's unconditional. It does not depend on the anticipated response. It's incarnational. In other words, this sort of love. Jesus didn't love us from heaven. He showed up in person. This sort of love shows up in person.
0: This is the unity walk. I, you know, this just gets harder and harder.
1: And then he says, this is the, the next word on my list here, haste. That is to be in a hurry. This love is in a hurry. This endurance is in a hurry. This walk is in a hurry. It's eager. It's diligent. For what? To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. To hurry up to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. To rush. To. What's your first thought? Hey, something's come up in the church. What's my first thought? What do I need to do first? What is the most important thing i got to remember when something's come up? When maybe there's someone I need to endure or be patient with or be gentle with or be humble toward. What is my first thought? Preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I am rushing for that. I am eager for that. I am ready to make whatever sacrifice for that. That is the thing. Jesus said, this is how they'll know you're My disciples. The love you have for one another, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. This is the evidence of who we are. This is our identity as a a people. So we are in a hurry. What is rule number one? Preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Does that mean... Never say anything hard for anyone to hear. No. In fact, it often means the exact opposite of that.
0: Sometimes, correction, while gentle, is difficult, it is gonna come with a little ouch.
1: So to, be, to, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace doesn't mean just go along to get along all the time. It doesn't mean to hide problems. None of that. It means really the opposite of that. I love the word keep here. To keep the unity. The word keep is what shepherds do with sheep.
0: Shepherds were in the fields at night keeping their sheep. Same word.
1: Keep. It means literally to watch out for something. To take care of it. To keep it together. (laughs) To watch over. To provide for. To keep safe. Because here's the thing. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace is not created by us. We don't make it. This is, doesn't say be eager to produce the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It doesn't say be eager to create the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It says keep it. And you
0: only can keep things that already are. You can't keep something that is, doesn't
1: exist yet. And so, together, we watch out for our unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, we've got to remember that the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace is the fellowship of the people of God and the fellowship of the people of God with God in Christ by the Spirit.
0: It is only to preserve the family nature of the church. That's what we're talking about.
1: The unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace is that thing that Jesus made on the cross where He put all the Jews and Gentiles together in one new man. That's the unity of the Spirit. So, this is both practical and doctrinal, theological. I want to be aware that we are one people. And I want to walk in a manner that recognizes that reality in my behavior. That's what we're talking about. That says, I am one with you, and you with me, and us together with Him. Let us live in a way that watches over that, that keeps an eye on that, that's eager. That My first thought is, oh, how do I walk in a manner that says we are one? That's the question. Now, remember, when we go through these rules, I think, wow, that's impossible. I can't humility. I'm that's not in my nature to be consider myself everyone's servant. I don't do that. I don't even really like the idea of that. Except that I love the idea of that in Christ. Once I recognize that the height of this calling. Then that idea sounds like a good idea. So here's our problem. We hear these things and we read them like rules. We read them like burdens, like obligations that I must live up to. And the only way for me to even approach these things, humility, gentleness, patience, endurance, love, eagerness in unity. The only way is for me to notice all of this flows from the throne of grace. All of it. And all of it, this calling, is not just here's what you have to do. It's also here's what's been done. And I do what I need to do because He did what He did for me and for you. So this love is always... Do I say this too much? This love is only a reflection of His love. The Scripture says this. Well, as clear as anything can be said, we love... First John, we love because He first loved
0: us. So, we walk
1: in the weight of His grace. We walk in the glory of His grace. We walk in the simple recognition of of His glorious invitation in Christ and of His perfect provision in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. First Peter says He has given to you everything necessary for life and godliness. Not most of it, all of it. His provision is absolute, complete, and perfect. And so, in that shower, I can shower you. When we come to the table, we are remembering this very reality. The table is not a place to remember what you must do. Sometimes we like to turn it into that. We think we say to people stuff like, before you come to the table, make sure you're right with everything in the world.
0: Like you could even do that if you really wanted to. No. What you
1: bring to the table is, I need what Christ provides. That's all you bring. That's why it's a table. And not a work office. So when we come to the table, we are reminded of all of this Gospel reality. It is not about what you have to do. It is about what Christ has already done. It is finished, He says. So what I do is receive what He gives. And then, then I work on how can I live in a way that shows that reality. Because that's what I really want. I really want you to be able to see the table of Christ in my life. I really want that. I forget about it a lot. And that's why we keep coming back. So I invite you in Christ to come and receive. Now, this isn't how I get right with God. Christ manages that. You simply trust in Him, and trusting in Him, you come to the table. And the table is just a reminder of that. I trust Him, and that's all. Father, we give You thanks. We ask for Your help and provision as we seek to walk in a manner worthy of this great calling. Lord, help us to know Your love. Help us to see Your love the magnitude of your blessings a little better than we did before, or a lot better. Lord, we want to live in a way that reflects your goodness. And we thank you for that, in Jesus' name,
0: amen.